You're listening to So You Want to Be a Photographer with Gina Militia, one of Australia's leading portrait celebrity and lifestyle photographers. With over 25 years experience in the industry, Gina is a pro photographer who regularly travels the world shooting for some of the country's top magazines and advertisers. She is author of four best-selling books on photography, runs workshops and mentors aspiring photographers all around the world. In conversation with journalist, interviewer and budding amateur photographer Valerie Koo, Gina reveals what it takes to build a successful photography business, provides a sneak peek into life behind the lens and talks about her tips and techniques to get the perfect shot. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 304 of So You Want to Be a Photographer. My name's Valerie Koo and I'm here with Gina Militia. How are you, Gina? I'm great, Val. How are you going? I'm good. What's been happening in the world of Gina? Oh, so we're the have-nots at the moment in Melbourne. <laughs> the Like, you know, yeah. where I feel like, you know what I feel like living in Victoria is that I've just mm. been sent to the naughty corner, which is like my 14-year-old mm. rebel self is loving it. You know, because that's where I spent a lot of my teen years, in the naughty corner. And basically, we're in the naughty corner. We're back in quarantine here in Victoria because some security guard couldn't keep it in his pants. (laughs) That's that's it. So hang on, hang on, hang on. So for our international listeners who have no idea what you're talking about, so uh, restrictions were lifted in Victoria and in Melbourne in particular, so out of COVID, um, and we were able to get back to some semblance of normal life. However, more recently, Melbourne has been locked down again for six weeks to a much you know higher quarantine level where you can't go out except for essential things. Um and uh, that and borders have been closed between Melbourne and the, the entire Victoria country and has shut their the borders. Yes. And what Gina is referring to about the security guard is Gina. So the security guard, the security firm that was uh, charged to look after the quarantining guests from overseas, so overseas travellers. So what they made sure is that no one sort of left their quarantine were. Allegedly, uh, allegedly, allegedly, stopping the the people they're meant to be looking after, and so uh, yeah, that also was... certain media reports say. Yes, so you've covered yourself, Val. Are we safe? <laughs> Is it all right? Allegedly. So, so as a result of that, and and I have to say, and thank you to um, all the listeners who have reached out and checked on my welfare. I really appreciate it because. The second lockdown, uh, this this is a, a, has been a lot harder, and I, and I won't lie, it's been difficult, and I could feel uh, even my uh, mental health declining because it's like there's FOMO because it's when you're the only person not doing something, and you see everyone else is like. The other day, one of my friends rang me, and I could hear noise in the background. I'm like, "What's that? Are you in a cafe? What's it like?" <laughs> you know. So there's all of that. So I took. When I found out, like when we, because it, it happened really quickly, I gave myself uh, about three days to wallow and feel sorry for myself. Mm. And then I, I thought I could feel myself uh, slipping and I, I didn't want to. So I just decided to do all the things I know that work for me uh, whenever I can feel, you know, that sort of, that, that, that decline. And it's like as artists, 
We are all prone to these moments where, and it doesn't matter what's going on in your life, there will be times when you do, you know, maybe your um, mental health does uh, decline a little bit and you can feel yourself slipping. And I know when I am and I know what triggers it for me. So like spending too long online going down all the rabbit holes that I go down, uh, not exercising enough and eating junk for me, uh, the, the triggers. So what I did is I really made a conscious effort to reverse all of that. So I've been um, going on longer walks and I've um, started back on doing weight training and also uh, eating much healthier. So no more tubs of ice cream and Nutella for a little while, Val. And uh, I'm okay with the ice cream and Nutella. It's the, the thing that gets me down is peanut butter, I've realised. Oh, you can't stop. Like I've been, you know how many jars? So this is where it had to stop because I bought, I don't eat peanut butter because my son has an allergy, so I won't have it in the house, but I will eat like almond butters or macadamia butters and it's the best with, so here I am saying how healthy I've been. But when I fell off the wagon last week, it was a mouthful of almond butter and then you put a, like a cube of chocolate as well and you mix those oh together. Have you tried it? I have not tried it. The best. So, um, yeah, so I stopped all of that because if you've got it in that, you can't just stop at one. You just go for it. And the other one is like gratitude, just being grateful for what you have rather than complaining about what you don't have have all been uh, really helpful. And then like watching comedy uh, feeds my soul, makes me laugh, and I enjoy that. So that's what I've been doing, and honestly, it has worked for me, and I, I feel a lot better. And it's like I, you know, I'll tackle this next six weeks and be productive and make the most of it, I guess. So if you guys are, are struggling out there, then you know there is a great community here of photographers, like-minded people. You know, drop us a line in the um, the Facebook group. Come and join and be amongst friends. You should. We shouldn't all be alone at all you know when we've got all these um ways of keeping connected so i think that that has really uh helped me this week val well i think also um if you are a creative and you find yourself restricted a bit because of the current situation depending on where you live it's different for everyone at the moment um i strongly recommend throwing yourself into the creative process Mm. that's certainly something that has happened with me during the quarantine period and I have just gone nuts creatively so much so that I am not I'm I'm now got like a self-imposed quarantine even though restrictions have lifted in my area I'm just continuing on with my being at home kind of um uh habit because it's done so much for me creatively so Try and, yeah, do all of the things that Gina has said, but also try to make the most of it in terms of creative output because it's a great opportunity if you can. Yeah, and on that, Val, and, and it's like I like you love to learn and it's like you can immerse yourself for hours and hours and hours, but just make mm. it about the just because. Don't worry about where yeah. this is going to take you because this is a lot of people sort of uh, pin their esteem or their like if I do this, it's going to amount to that. Don't worry about where it takes you. And I'm, I'm sure like Valerie, when you started this creative, 
this latest um, mm-hmm. creative journey that you're on, you weren't sitting there going, oh, I'm going to pick up this major company as a client after this or that or that. As like, mm-hmm. Both of us have always just – it's just the, the joy of creating and, and that in itself and the joy of learning – when you infuse that into your work without worrying about what the final outcome it will be, it, it that 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 lifts your mood like nothing else. And mm. I've I've spent my entire life doing that and just going, Well, what happens if I do this and what happens if I do that? And you're just happy just because. Just do it just because and you you'll be amazed at where it takes you and how much better you feel in the end for, for having achieved uh, those mm. little wins. It's amazing. So we have a listener question from Emma Tyers. Now Emma says, I am, a pro- I am in the process of lassoing friends into modelling for me to build my portfolio. <laughs> this is Louise and we have a photo of Louise which we'll put in the show notes, which of course you can find at ginamilisha.com. Um, so this is Louise. She's a business consultant who is keen to update her branding photos and the brief was warm, relatable but also professional and a range of photos that could be used from LinkedIn to Instagram. She also wanted a good amount of negative space so they could be used for a range of marketing materials as well. Would love some feedback before I take these to her. Mm. And there's a shot of uh, Louise who's sitting against a plain white wall with a wooden floor and a fairly, you know, normal chair. And she is, there's there's space. So she is kind of more to camera right. And there's a lot of white space around her in case she wanted to use it with some writing on it and Louise is mainly looking at the camera with kind of different poses and angles so yeah Gina and uh, Emma I think you've done a sensational job in fulfilling this brief I love uh, how you've worked with the uh, negative space I I also think you've captured a beautiful energy and I think that's all on you so like a lot of people say oh this person was just really relaxed in front of the camera that doesn't happen organically like even the most Mm. casual and relaxed person is going to have uh, a little bit of fear or nervousness and that can be turned in a second I've seen it happen so many times Valerie you've experienced it where when you come into and we're going to talk about this in in um, today's episode, which is uh, you know fo- photo fails and how to fix them, but but we, when um, you go in to a photo shoot with the wrong energy, you can actually you know create that make someone feel really uncomfortable really easily. So that is on you that you've managed to do that, Emma. So congratulations, you've brought the great energy and it really is teamwork. The, the photographer and the model working together, you create that beautiful gift of that beautiful energy and she glows in these images. She looks really happy. She looks so approachable. I'd want to do business with this woman. So you've you've succeeded in the brief, which is fantastic. I love the, ne- the negative space. And I also love the background choice and and the the, the location itself. Very, very simple. You can do so much with this. We get so carried away with overstyling and adding too much. So the simple chairs you've used as props, brilliant. All right. To take these to the next level, a couple of things, and these are like little one percenters. So um, the posture 
Um, so one thing that I like to say to my clients when they're sitting and if I notice, because, you know, some people don't know that they're slouching or they're so busy worrying about how the smile and everything else that they forget. So what I try and do, and this is like something that a yoga teacher taught me is to just pretend that there's a, like a cord that is attached to the top of your head and it's pulling you up nice and straight. And you don't want someone sitting so straight that they look like they've got a pole, position somewhere right you want them to be sitting like just to have good posture so there's a couple where she's a little bit slouchy so I would um you know try and um target that and uh some some of the poses uh with the hands to the face are a little bit awkward and that's just experience for you Emma and just getting um being able to find uh more uh friendlier and open and natural poses with that and so that 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 you'll you'll get the hang of that uh, as you do more shoots and finally to take the image to the next level what's really going to elevate it and make it stand out from everything else is lighting lighting mm. takes it all and it gives it at like when, when you just light with daylight uh, you're contending with just what you've got. So, you know, time of day can be, a, the, the light can have a certain muddy quality and you won't notice the difference until you bring in uh, artificial light. But the way that you learn to light with uh, flash is you can make it look like it was just streaming in f- through the window. So you can make it anywhere you go, you can make it look like it was the most perfect day outside and you had that beautiful directional light, and that is what takes it to the level that people look at it and go, "Wow, this I don't understand." Most people won't understand why they like the photo or why it stands out from all the others, and it doesn't matter that mm. they don't need to know; it just looks better. So, but mm. congratulations! I think you've done a sensational job, Emma. Emma, well done. Yeah, really good. And of course, if you want constructive critiques like this and to get feedback one-on-one from Gina, then make sure that you join the Gold Community. And if you want to find out more about the Gold Community, have a listen to this. This podcast is brought to you by the Gold Community. One of the things I love is mentoring the incredible photographers who are in my Gold Community. I recently asked Richard Howes about the many ways being a Gold Community member has improved his photography. I guess the Gold Community's really helped and supported me to um, develop my skills and experience. It's given me a lot more uh, confidence in being able to shoot photos in manual mode. I've learned so much about lighting and composition. You're always there for us. Uh, It's like having a coach on your side who's really um, giving you a a boost and um, helping hand. I love how the Gold Community also covers a wide range of uh, photographic genres. So you get exposed, which helps broaden one's knowledge and experience. Since joining the Gold Community, it's given me much more confidence and uh, ability to take good portrait shots. I'm looking at the moment to build on my my lighting. No, I, look, I've, I've been a member of the Gold Community for a few years and uh, I never stopped learning uh, about lighting, composition, and how to take better photos. So if you're a photographer and looking to uh, improve your skills and experience, don't hesitate in joining the Gold Community because it offers a wealth of uh, resources. I just think it's a great um, coaching resource. You can only improve your photography and um, get better at the craft if you join the Gold Community. If you'd like to find out more about the Gold Community, just go to genomilitia.com and click on Join the Community.
All right, so this week's episode is beginner and pro photo fails and how to prevent them. Right. So where do we start with this, Gina? We start with a quote, Val. Oh, my goodness. Okay, quote. (laughs) I felt you roll your eyes. I did roll my eyes. Uh, The quote is, you will only fail to learn if you do not learn from failing. Okay. All right. So we all fail. I've done all of these mistakes and that's why I know that, like, that's why I notice them now, you know. So um, this uh, episode is about learning to uh, recognize these little things and just putting more effort into all those little one percenters. And so there's this whole... uh, a dangerous attitude that I see probably more and more now because we are shooting digital and there's because there's so many of these amazing this amazing automating software that you can take people out of the background of the shot you can do all of this and it can make people be a little bit lazy when they photograph and just like forgetting uh, to do stuff so I think when you look at the great photographers, they will spend 80% of their time, Val, planning, composing, exposing, and lighting their shots, and the other 20% on the post-production, right? And you get a great product. But an inexperienced photographer will dedicate 20% of their time planning and composing the shot, and then the 80%, the rest of their time, the remaining 80%, trying to fix all the mistakes. Mm-hmm. And so... When you can get a shot that you nail it straight out of camera, there is so much more that you can do and you can take it to the next level. So I've created a little list of uh, all the common photo fails that I've experienced in my life and, and uh, some techniques that uh, you can uh, use to either avoid them uh, or make sure you know that they don't happen to you. So shall we dive in, Val? Yeah, let's dive in. Where all right. Do we get, where do we? Which one goes first? <laughs> so first of all, uh, and I see this a lot, um, and you don't know what you don't know, right, Val? So yeah. when I was first starting out, it's um, and the first one is lack of originality or creativity. Now you can't help this when you're starting, but uh, it's it's important to know if you are um, when you are doing this consistently, and a lot of people will just continue to do this, like lack of originality or creativity. So when I was in first year, Val, and I did, uh, I was doing the photography course. We were asked to uh, go and take photos on the weekend. It was like the one of the first assignments, and so I went out and I went and took photos in a graveyard, and then I photographed homeless people. Mm-hmm. I was so up myself, Val, at these photos. I thought mm-hmm. I was about to be awarded, like, name the top photography prize in the world. Okay. This is how I just thought I have – no one else has done this, I thought to myself. Homeless no one else has never done photographing people in – photographing great tombstones and photographing homeless people. Never been done. So up myself. Took it to the teacher and was ready waiting for the round of applause, cheer, the, 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 the band, all of it, and an award. And he just looked at it and he said, it's crap. Great. That's Good teaching. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, what do you mean? This is like, 
this is incredible work. This is my, this is, this is like, you, you don't know what you talk. He's like, this is so cliche. This is what everybody does at, on their first shoot. And then he explained to me, you know, and co- so kind of like the way the brain's programmed is we kind of all think alike. So what I thought was my original beautiful idea is, uh, wasn't that original. And so we all do this. We are all naturally drawn to textures and, you know, textured faces and things like that. So the way to avoid constantly doing the cliché is to immerse yourself in art 24-7 and immerse yourself in beautiful things. So read lots of books, watch amazing art house movies and uh, visit galleries and don't just go to photography exhibitions, go to painting exhibitions, go to textile exhibitions, go, you know, look at all forms of art and look at original art. This is so important. Please, please, please look at original art. Unfortunately, there is a real, um, uh, there's a thing going on at the moment with Instagram where what what you see is not always what's what's there. So a lot of Insta famous, and I've got my little inverted comma fingers, like you know, Insta famous people are basically just copying stuff that's already been done. So go back and look at the originals, study color theory, study art, immerse yourself in beautiful things, go out into nature and get inspired, and you will find that original uh, eventually. Uh, what what is uh, cliche, and that's the way of learning that we do all these things. Uh, will you'll start to develop your own unique taste, and it's when you know exactly what you like personally, then you can start shooting in the way that you love. And I was just talking to you um, before we started, Val, and it's like this is something that I've been doing, and it's like my photography personal style is not for everyone. But that's a really good thing that I can niche down. And and, uh, I picked up a big client this week, again, off my Instagram. And they said to me, please just do what you do on your Instagram. Right. Which is so joyous for me. Like happily, of course, it's lovely. So when you work on your own style and find that and shoot the things you love, you will always be an original because no one thinks and feels and sees in the same way that you do. Yeah, great. Okay, love it. All right, so next, Val, mm-hmm. we've got uh, a common, and this is common for newbies and also professionals, and it, it comes down to a poor understanding of daylight and then launching into fl- uh, artificial light. So if you don't quite get how daylight works and it's so easy to be just go oh my god I can the the lighting gear is so accessible it's it's really cheap and and there's all these tutorials where I can see um how to do it but not why to do it like this so I know that if I put my light here and I set my camera like this and I put the flash and this I'll get something that looks like what I see online but if you, it's all the little subtle differences that really make a photo stand out. And so it, I, say, I say this all the time and the, the goldies are getting like that they're just getting potato gifts these days. We're just like it's so important to learn to peel the potatoes before you make souffle. So if you 
can spend the time in really looking, looking at daylight and understanding daylight and learning how to work and master daylight in any any lighting. So you can get a great portrait in daylight. You can work in hard light. You can work in soft light. You can work in kaka light. You're going to be an excellent and you understand how the direction of light works, then you're going to have a really, a much easier time understanding how artificial light works. So I think it's really important to put in the time and it feels like, oh my, I'm going backwards if I go back and just study daylight, but it's it's actually going forward. And it was not until, like I'd had a few years under my belt as a commercial photographer and I was bringing 15 lights and elephants and everything onto my set just to do bigger, better, like all these lights. I had no idea what light was doing what and like maybe 75% of the time I'd get it right and then the other time I was like, I don't know what I did. I can't recreate that, right? Mm -hmm. And then I I shifted and started shooting uh, stills where I couldn't light. I had to rely on the available light. And that was such a fantastic learning curve for me because I had to understand how to light with what I had. So I think it's a really good exercise that like leave the flash at home and uh, work on understanding the daylight uh, first, getting your base exposure if you're doing uh, lighting and the way that I teach this uh, in the in the gold membership it is it's always the base exposure then add the light and the base exposure determines what's happening in your scene and how you can replicate that because what you want is when you look at an image you should be a, you shouldn't be able to tell if it was lit or not it should be oh, I'm not sure was this lit was it it's just it looks like great light so there shouldn't be any little telltale signs and the biggest one that I see newbies and um, professionals alike is that big dirty nose shadow um, caused oh, by the light and so under the nose right, you're referring under to. the nose across mm. the nose but like and and honestly, it goes back to like when I thought my graveyard shots were amazing, and son, so you took my teacher saying it's actually crap. And it's not. I'm not going to say that having the nose shadow is crap, but like you don't even notice it as you're starting out. And there are people that will go their whole career and never see that nose shadow. Mm. Um, so you don't know what you don't know. So I think as well as that having. That, that understanding of daylight and lighting, you won't get that understanding until you actually, if you want to get better, you need to find the right people to critique your photos. We've got a beautiful community on in the Facebook group, Val, the So You Want to Be a Photographer Facebook community, beautiful, gentle critiques. When It's not about, um, we're all about rising, each, lifting each other up there. So that's a start. So when you're posting photos, Ask for critique and you'll be amazed at what a hundred other sets of eyes can have, can see in your image, you know. And I, mm. I know when I send you photos, you'll go, but what about that? I'm like, I didn't even see it. It wasn't, didn't even cross my, because I'm too busy. We're all focused on different things. So I think it's great to have another set of eyes looking at your images for that reason. Okay. Yeah. I think that's a great idea. And I think that light is such a, I mean, I, I am confounded sometimes with some of the photographers I work with who just fundamentally don't have that understanding. Mm. It's not the majority, but no, there are photographers out there who that's their job. And their attitude is very much, I'll fix it in post. 
I'll fix it in post. It's so mm. da- and and it's like it's very dangerous. You, you you can, but what? Why? Why? When mm. when you know that time could be spent that four hours, like you spend five minutes taking the shot and four hours correcting your mistakes. Imagine how much better you'd be if you invested that four hours in, you know, learning a new lighting skill or or, or shooting other stuff. So, yeah, it, it always confuses me. But I've done it, Val. So, you know, mm. I guess it's part of the, the learning curve. Um, all right. So this one is so common and I, and I see this, you know, and I notice this all over the place. So, um, and especially now that... Um, some advertisers are cutting back on their spending and using um, sort of less experienced photographers or Jan in accounts to do their photos and their billboards. And I see this all, Jan will do it, she's fine. Photos where the models look uncomfortable, the poses are awkward, like Jan's been dug out of her 1985 Vogues and she's like, for the real estate agents, we'll do them in a group, but I think they should all have that, you know, that <laughs> I just say I just think it's stupid that model pose where they're bent over and they've got their art. Well, you know, it looks great if you're a model in Paris, but not for oh, real estate. I it's know. just like so silly. And that I'm a call it the I'm a little teapot pose where it's just like mm. someone once said that if you want your arms to look good, you bend them. And put them on your thing like I'm a little teapot, short and stout. Here is my handle. Here is my that whole thing, awkward, uncomfortable. So this is all from experience. Like you know, the first time you do a shoot with a model, you're just so excited that the I know this from my experience. I was so excited that I could get the image sharp. That's all I cared about, <laughs> you know. And then as you get more comfortable and keep shooting, so you know, start start with your friends, start with people that you're not going to feel intimidating directing, but just really practice. And 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 the more comfortable you get with how your settings are and your lighting is, and that all becomes second nature. Then you can hone in on what the face is doing. So the like I said with um, the CC at the start of the show, with Emma, she brought her beautiful energy to that shoot and that is so important. So you've got to really, the 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 80% of the time I spend when I'm setting up my models is the, the lighting and everything, that's, that's all knocked out first, right? I get that out of the way and then... All I do is spend my time. I sense if they're uncomfortable. You can you can tell if they're anxious. Uh, I'm going to spend my time getting them to relax, and then I'm zeroing in on have they got that uh, you know that photo face, and I have to make sure that I'm checking my energy so that I'm not turning up to the shoot with bringing all the baggage from home. I'm not grumpy. Um, I'm trying not to be complacent or trying to go on autopilot. And this is something that I make sure that I check myself all the time because it's very easy to just go, I can bang this out in five minutes. I don't need to think about it, but I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that with my shoots. I want to make sure that everyone is getting a great experience. And we just had to, um, yesterday in the gold community, Val, one of the members posted about how they did a shoot and how the, the, the client, um, just, kept saying through the entire shoot, 
This is so much fun. It is so much easier than all the other shoots I've done. You're so good. I feel so comfortable and so relaxed, you know. And this is this is fantastic because that client who's had that beautiful experience with you is every time they look at their photos, they're going to remember how you made them feel. And that is that is gold if you can create that. So I think that is really important. So Working on those one percenters and understanding what it is that makes people look uncomfortable. What is it that makes people look awkward? How do you get rid of photo face and spending as much time as possible getting rid of all those things so that you've, it's, not, it's not by chance. You've got to work it. You've got to work the shot to get all of these things in. Great. What's next? All right. So... This one is constantly the forgotten one, the poor little hands, uh, the afterthought, or they're not, they're ignored completely. So often you'll see when someone is uh, feeling uh, uh, awkward or they're shy or anxious, Mm -hmm. they're going to clench their fists. And we don't notice it because all we're looking at is the face. Oh, the face looks good. So it's like, it's never ending. So you get to the, I got rid of photo face. They're relaxed. They may appear relaxed because you've used all those little techniques, like getting them to look away and back to camera or getting them out of their head by engaging them, uh, getting them to talk about stuff that they love, which gets people to relax a lot. But then you don't see it until you've got the photos back, oh, my God, the hands, look at the hands. The hands are clenched or they're in an awkward sort of claw shape or they're awkwardly placed. And the most common thing that guys will do is guys will put their hands in front of their ghoulies, right? That's mm. slang, Aussie slang, I think, isn't it, Val? <laughs> I think it's Gina ghoulies, is it? I think I've just made that word up. Mm-hmm. So uh, you can't even Google it, but it's, you know, the – the tackle, the what's some other words for it? Your lunchbox. <laughs> Your lunchbox. What else? <laughs> I don't know. Maracas, cojones. <laughs> <laughs> so that they'll do that as a way of um, it's it's a sort of a defence mechanism. You protect what's dear to you, what's dearest to you. So that that you know people will go into that pose naturally, and uh, so you want to make sure that you're looking for that and uh, open open. And I can't tell you, I, I need to start a collection of uh, the ghoulie pose because I'm seeing them on billboards and in magazines all over the place. Ghoulie pose, ghoulie pose. So if you see them, post them, share them for me. Um, so. It's almost like, and it's a a good idea as you're starting out because there's so many things to remember, to make a list. Just start listing these things and then just before you take the photo, just go through and you can keep this on your phone, in your notes and say, all right, uh, photo face, no, no, check, got that. Uh, All right, what are the hands doing? Hands unclenched, you know, check. And then just go through that little checklist and make sure that that the hands are nice and relaxed. So little things, little tricks that I do, pretend like there's a ring on your little finger and get them to, to fiddle around with it. Also, rubbing your hands together is a good one. Hands in pockets is another great one. So there is lots of little tricks you can do. Uh, holding your hand like you're holding a pen is also a really good one for corporate portraits. So you get like a nice, neat little hand. Uh, looks good. So all these little tricks help it's another little one percenter just to make the shot look 
that little bit more polished. Okay. All right. So I think also for um, anyone who's struggling with this, Gina has a fantastic course on how to pose men, women and groups. Um, if you're a member of the Gold community, you already have access to this. Otherwise, definitely check it out on Gina's website because it is an excellent course and it really shows how you can pose people naturally. It shows what you can do with their hands, you know, in a variety of different um, poses. So it's it's definitely a really great resource. Thanks, Val. Um, all right, so next one, and I think this this may be Aussie slang. <laughs> is flogging a dead horse, is that Aussie slang or is that just universal? I think it's a generally, a, yeah. You reckon? I think it sounds so Aussie though. No, no I think that, you know, it is – Fairly universal. Okay, so flogging a dead horse. It's just overkill. And uh, this comes with uh, often lack of confidence, like just not knowing that you've got the shot. Val, have you been subjected to this in photo shoots where like an hour in they're still going and you kind of thought, I think you got it 4,000 frames ago? Um, Not so much. I've met – I've um, – had the opposite actually i've had the opposite experience where oh, one i have frame. yeah i'm not even joking i remember <sighs> to this day i remember her name even and there would have been a group of one, two, three, eight of us so there were group <gasps> shots of eight do you ha- i mean how hard is it to get eight people coordinated and yeah. um she would be doing one frame she's got the shot and then she'd <gasps> move on and i just wanted to say, shake her and say you're not going to get the shot. And, of course, the poor people who organised it, they did not get hardly any shots out of that. Um, yeah, one, I'm not even kidding. Eight, one shot. Wow. So I've experienced the opposite. And apologies, that's not me snorting, that's Gaza. He's just rolling mm. around on the rug, so he's having a good old scratch and a snort. Um, wow. And Gaza yeah, is, so um, I... for anyone who knew, Gaza is Gary and Gary is Gina's dog. Yes. Um, yeah, so I guess that's the opposite. So, and I, and I think you're right. It's either not shooting enough, so being too afraid to hold the group when you're doing a group shot. The first thing I say is I say, okay, hey, guys, I'm going to do about 10 frames and I'll make it a joke so that it just makes everyone a little bit more comfortable. And then I'll say, I'm going to shoot 10 frames because I'm not very good at this. And you'll get a little laugh and hopefully you'll be firing, you know, and that kind of relaxes everyone and you make a big joke about I'm incompetent, I need to, sorry, I'm actually not very good, can we do a few more? And you want to say that with confidence because if if you say it with, uh, um, I need to do 10 frames because I'm not very good, uh, that you you will look incompetent, but if you can say it with confidence and a bit of swagger and a smile and can you know, I just suggest you if wink, you're starting out that you don't even bother with that joke and you don't don't say even it at bother all. it doesn't work yeah <laughs> but just go hey guys so you can say it in a confident tone and just a, a quick tip for um, anyone who has a higher voice. Make sure, because when you get nervous, and this happens to me, if I get a little bit nervous, can you hear my voice rising, right? It sounds really shrill. It's hard to control a group. So just make a point, and you can. this is stuff that you can practice on your own. Try lowering your voice 
uh, and it sounds like you're in control. Just that little thing, if you can do that when it, whenever you're photographing a book. So it's not, hey, guys, what are we going to do? It's like, hey, guys, what we're going to do is, and then try and slow the voice down, and that helps with controlling that big group. So, um, But what I meant by uh, the flogging of a dead horse is just the – thousands and thousands and thousands of shots until everyone just hates you as the photographer have you got the shot you know so it's just like you've got it but you just keep doing it because it's a lack of confidence you're not really sure if you've got it if you do a thousand frames of someone chances are there'll be one good one in there but what you want to do (laughs) exactly but what you want to do is get to the point where you have that confidence And I think a really good thing to do to develop this confidence is on your digital camera um, is tape up the LCD. And if you've got a mirrorless camera, get rid of the preview that allows you to see the image in, in the viewfinder, right? Get rid of that and fly blind for a couple of weeks, okay? Because that's going to teach you to trust your gut and know, and, and you'll feel it. You know, you, you, you develop this um, uh, sense that you go, I just got the shot. That was it. You remember in the film days, Val, we'd go, you'd, you'd, you'd go, oh, yeah, that was it. And, and even everyone in the room go, oh, that was it. That was the money shot, you know. Mm. So that's what you want to do. You want to <laughs> you give yourself the confidence to be able to recognise in camera Mm. when you've got the shot rather than relying on uh, looking at the back of the screen or relying on the thousand frames to get the shot because people do lose confidence so it's that you don't want to do two frames but a thousand frames or one probably like yeah one frame that's so risky that makes me really nervous it's not risky it's stupid gina yeah I was trying to be a bit kind of Al. <laughs> All right. So um, next one, uh, over-retouching images. Oh, my God. I hate that. Yes. So this is a mistake I've made. Uh, you get you learn Photoshop, you learn retouching, and, of course, you're going to make everyone look like they're five years old and just get rid of all their personality. It's like, cause you can remove the, and I, I keep saying so my, my um, first digital passport photo. Oh my God. I reached it, but it backfired. Cause you could do that then pre 2000. Uh, you could uh, pre nine eleven, right? You could do your own passport photos and you could smile. I had a wind machine and every border I couldn't get in because they're like, who? that's not you. Because, <laughs> of course, you look like crap when you fly. And uh, so, of course, you're going to over-retouch. And I can remember when I first got Lightroom, I discovered the clarity slider. And you think if uh, level 10 looks good, well, level 100, <laughs> 100 times better. So you go for it. You go, you over-sharpen everything. And then you discover the saturation slider. And it's like, you know... It, all day long, you just like over, over everything. So um, learning good retouching skills is is so important. But again, you don't know what you don't know. And a photographer commented to me uh, the other day is just saying, you know, when I did, when I first learned a particular skill, I thought they were really good. And then I kept going and learned more skills and more skills. And now I'm looking back at the stuff I did three months ago and going, oh my God, how did I possibly post that? Mm. Which is, you know, 
Unfortunately, this is what it means to be creative because, you know, as you learn more and more and more, you recognize more and more and more what the faults are of the shot. So the more you learn, the more you start to see. So I think a good thing to do when you're starting out is if you know someone who is um, five or so years ahead of you, five, ten years, if you've got an experienced set of eyes that you can just say, or, you know, if you're part of the Facebook group, certainly, you know, flick it in there. And this is, uh, again, the Goldies are doing this regularly, just about to send these to the client. Can I have another set of eyes? And you might have been focused on you know, a particular part of that. And again, you miss the fact that, oh, did you know that there's something growing out of the back of the head or that highlight? That's the first thing because we all see photos differently. So it's a great idea. Not not your mum or not your Facebook friends because they're not they're just going to go that's lovely dear you're so you, you, it's lovely uh, you know or your partner or your kids my kids actually I could show my photos they will tell me so honestly that no that sucks you're not very good at this go back do it again <laughs> so they keep me grounded Val but someone well. who it's good isn't it <laughs> Imagine how fat my head would be if it wasn't for them. <laughs> so um, learning, uh, having someone who can recognize these little things and just point out, you know, oh, hey, oh, maybe the just knock the clarity back a little bit or it's like a little bit oversaturated or noticing little things like the white balance is out is a real help. And each time you do that, it, you, you will remember it and you will take your photo to the next level for next time. And I'm sure you're learning what your your um, Photoshop skills, Val, through the yes, roof. You've been working. We, you were giving me a lesson before we started. <laughs> and I'm like, wow, look at this. I'm going to start teaching no, you how to write, Valerie Koo. before I can do what you do. That will be, <laughs> do you know what will be my happiest moment in my life? And I could yeah. then, when you ask me for writing advice. <laughs> <laughs> I will be so so happy because it's like I did it I asked you I'm like how'd you do that how'd you do that but tell me how you did it because I was so curious and you told me and then I thought at that time I wonder if Valerie will ever ask me writing advice in my lifetime that's hilarious <laughs> <laughs> might happen Gina you never know you never know you never know you've written lots of books yeah <laughs> all right so um i certainly the next won't be one. asking you punctuation advice i've got no clue have i <laughs> i just and what was it what have you said you don't know about commas do i, I don't i don't <laughs> i'm really it's like i have i'm racist against commas aren't i i just don't use them it's just life is one long sentence without a full stop or without a comment. You told me, I took your advice literally. Don't tell me stuff. You, you said write like you speak. That's how I speak. There isn't no full stops when I speak. I just will keep going until someone cuts in to get a word in. <laughs> anyway, go on. All right, next one. Uh, I call this the yeah baby factor. 
That sounds like something out of Austin Powers. It does because it kind of feels like an Austin Powers. Like there's this cliche of photo shoots that it's just like because there's uh, you, you 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 see the the uh, old fashioned sort of photo shoots or the Hollywood's idea of a photo shoot is someone the model just change 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 mm. like so every frame is a different pose and I think it's probably a hangover from the film days and a hangover from the fashion industry that's then sort of filtered into the portrait world and all other genres of photography where the model where the photographer didn't pose the model the model posed for the photographer so uh the photographer was very careful to you would often hear yeah not a very good model couldn't pose or this she's a great model she's got a million different poses which I personally don't like when they do that and I'm constantly slapping the fashion out of models it's like please slow down and don't don't change the pose until I ask you to so what photographers New and experienced uh, tend to believe that the, the the giving value to their client is giving their client 50 million different poses. But unfortunately, what happens when you do that and try and say, say you've got two hours with someone and you set up 15 different locations and it's, you know, and each location is 30 different poses – what you're going to do is sort of dilute the, the the full effect of the shoot. So if you're trying to do too much, you end up with nothing. Mm. So, so if I've got one model for two hours, that would be four looks max. Mm. And when you look at my proof sheets or my proofs of the images, you'll see that you'll at a glance it'll look like every shot is exactly the same. Because what I do is I set up my shot and then it's just tiny, tiny movements and that most of the shoot is focused on you get everything right in terms of the pose and the hands and everything and then it's about getting the energy in the face, getting rid of the photo face. So it's little movements and minimising the amount of shots. So wouldn't you rather that, you know, out of the, and that out of that four shots, there will still be like one or two heroes that are the standout that are the, one, the ones that become the shots that they use forever and ever. That's going to be the cover. Mm. That's going to be the one on the billboard. But you're never going to get that if you do 300 different options. So it's just mm. like slowing down and doing less, you get more, if that makes sense. Yes, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. All right, so uh, next one, two more, Val. Uh, okay. So uh, styling is a big one, and that comes down to clothing choices, background choices, prop choices, everything that uh, brings the shot together. So, like, failing to sort of focus on this is going to make a huge impact on how your shot looks. So the biggest uh, photo fails that I've experienced and I've seen experienced is where it might be that you do not brief the client well enough before the shoot and let them turn up in whatever they want. So I had someone in the in the Goldies talk about where they did a, I think it was an engagement shoot. The, so the girl turns up beautiful, the boy turns up in shorts and Crocs. Great. Which is typical, isn't it? You know, so so if you let – don't don't just assume that people are going to turn up and know what to wear. So I think it's really crucial that before a shoot you um, devise a simple list 
that you can just send out to every client before a shoot that you just outlay you know please don't wear logos patterns or stripes uh, and I also add to that please don't wear black uh, you know because it drains the color and then little little things like that you know get your body waxed a, a few days before not the day before because some people break out you know don't choose the right color of um, tanning solution and get it done professionally so that I don't have to spend four hours correcting the tandoori tan that you've got going on there because it's the wrong you know the wrong color it's really important so all these little details um, about the clothing choice and also the styling so you might have everything on point and then you place your model in front of the the wrong background or there are certain things that like if you want your image to look high end there's certain like little classic um, things that you can introduce to the shot like the the look of a, a certain chair uh, one chair could elevate the shot using a different chair can bring it down to an, a different level so it's all things like that and really focusing and spending that 80 percent that pre-production time thinking about how do I want my shot to look what what how do I want this to be perceived what's important to me things that are in the background little details Overstyling is a common thing where you think it's like, all right, I've got the textured wall, I'm going to have the wall hanging, I'm going to have a picture, I'm going to have a million plants in the shot and then it's too much and then the eyes just, oh my eyes, it's too much, you know. So it's just like simple styling, simple clothing, always simple. We were talking about this with your uh, decor shots as well and about how they're styled, Val, and it's just the simplicity you know, because I'm like, oh, you could chuck in and you go, no, that doesn't work. It needs to be simple. So you've got that editor's eye that you know to look for that. And that is something, obviously, you weren't born with it, Val. Or maybe you were. Well, I can just see you coming out of the womb going, all right, what we need to do here is just to simplify it and change the... F You'd be looking, I could just write, right, your birth certificate. You'll go, oh, my God, my eyes. What is that font? <laughs> <laughs> yes okay um all right so next uh last one is uh the one percenters and this is pretty much made up of everything we've talked about but you know don't ignore the little details and this is the thing that's going to elevate your work from what everyone else is doing to next, next level. And again, people, the average uh, non-photographer who looks at your image won't understand why it stands out. It just stands out. And that's all, that's all you need. It's just like they like yours better than the other ones that they see. They're, they're drawn to your photos. So they're all the little details like dust, um, you know, on your sensor and uh, the, the hairs that are out of place. That hair that's out of place is going to take you a second to fix and mm. an hour to fix in post-production. So, and it never looks right. So, so just the, taking two seconds to smooth the hair, you know how they do it in hair commercials, Val? They don't, can't put product. You can't do this anymore, but they used to spit on their hands and then oh, smooth yes. out the hair. Yes. Cannot be done just like you can't um, blow out candles. Like we used to blow out candles, spit all over a cake yes, and then so divide true. that cake and give it to all our friends. Mm. So suddenly you think, oh, that's a bit gross. We're, we can't really do that. Checking things like, you know, the state of hands, the state of people's nails, um, shoes, 
what under the shoes look like, make sure that people's uh, feet are clean, there's nothing growing out of the back of the, the head. Th these are all things, again, have a little list and check it off at the start because I was so overwhelmed when I was starting and I would have stylists and makeup artists who were maybe 10 or 15 years my senior on set who were, who were all honing in and, and they'd be like the, the classy ones would just whisper in my ear, under her feet are filthy, shall I go in and wipe it? And I'm like, oh my God, I did not even see that. I was so busy just being excited that my images were exposed and sharp. So this is all stuff that you learn as you go along, but so important. So remember the little one percenters. Um, and there you go, Val. So that's uh, th that's the, the list. Wow, Heap okay. of stuff I just Heaps dumped. It was like yes. it was a complete brain dump there, wasn't it? Lots and lots and lots and lots of stuff. But all really, really valuable, I think, because they are sort of the little things that you might overlook because you're too busy trying to get the exposure right or the, you know, the, the technical aspects right that you forget this other stuff. Um, mm. Awesome. Okay, so fantastic. Um, this brings us to the end of this week's episode. Uh, what are you doing in the coming week, Gina, apart from staying at home in lockdown? No, no, I've actually got uh, permission to leave the house for a couple of days. So I'm out in um, the country, Victoria, on I've got two shoots at the end of the week, so um, right. which, is, which, which, which is great. So uh, I'll be doing that. And I've also got the uh, AMA coming up this week as well. Lots of fantastic questions. So um, heaps to keep me entertained this week. What about you, Val? Oh, what am I doing? Goodness me. So many things. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, because I have um, a client who is doing my, you know, wallpapers, upholstery and stuff like yep. that. So I'll be, um, I'm following one of their briefs on, uh, well, several of their briefs from some files that I need to deliver yeah. to them. So, yeah, that's probably what I'll do. When's the Nutella? Are you going to do Nutella wallpaper for me? Do you want Nutella? Oh, well, I, it might be copyright, Gina. I might not oh, be allowed you reckon? to do so, Nutella wallpaper. A brown wall is probably as yeah. close as I can get, and it's not very <laughs> nice, is it? No. <laughs> All right. What about the uh, the bike? Bikes. I'll do bikes for you. Oh, that'd be unreal. I could just have the oh, bikes and cameras. So you could do Look, a photography range. No, <laughs> but ca like vintage cameras as wallpaper. Great idea. I'll do that for you. Fantastic. I love it. Can't I, I wait. That's a great idea. Yeah. My birthday soon. Okay. I'll do that for you. My, no my, and will you call it the Gina? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> sure. All right, Gina, where do we find you online? You can find me at ginamilitia.com. That's G-I-N-A-M-I-L-I-C-I-A. -I -I I'm at Gina Militia on uh, all social media. And if you want to take your photography to the next level, then check out the Gold Community. You can find that at ginamilitia.com and click on join the community. I think the website's getting an update, isn't it, Val? We're going to go live yes. soon at soon, some point. Soon. Yeah, yes. soon, soon. Mm. Woohoo. So, uh, you know, check back and, and have a look at uh, uh, all the new things we've got there. I'm excited what yeah. about you val uh you'll find me at valerie koo that's k-h-o-o on twitter and instagram and over at valeriekoo.com thanks for listening everyone and we look forward to chatting to you again next time thanks guys thanks for listening to so you want to be a photographer for more information free resources 
and Gina's regular newsletter on everything you need to know to become a successful photographer, visit GinaMalaysia.com.